well, rolling back from the western hinterlands of Canada, it's Lucas Mancini, and my god, he's stampeding in! Uh, that's right. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. It's <laughs> me, I'm back. You know, Will, not to get too already into the show off top, but a lot of times we'll watch an episode of Arthur, and it will be uncanny how the cartoon from uh, over 10 years ago will be mirroring our, our current 2019 lives. <laughs> uh, but this week's episode takes the cake in terms of, of reflecting my own life experience back at me. My God, you're, you're right, you know? I didn't even think about the fact that this, this particular episode that we're talking about right here has to do a lot with travel. And yeah. that's what you th- that's your whole life, my dude. Yeah, that's I've been traveling more than I ever have been. Uh I've been literally away from home for 3 weeks straight. Wow. Uh and uh yeah, I guess I'll I'll get into it a little bit later. Living out of a suitcase. Uh we oh, we oh, well, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to have to call my shot right here. We normally have, oh. like to have like a jokey title for the episode. How can we not call this one Postcards from Lucas? Postcards from Lucas. Oh my goodness! There you go, pal. How do, what do you think about that? That's pretty cool. I mean, I suppose you know. I was thinking about we. It didn't really work out because of the time difference. But I was I was thinking about God. If I had to do a filibuster last week, what would I do it on? Yeah. I suppose it would have just have been a travel log. So instead of just a filibuster, I suppose that would be called postcards from Lucas. Well, and if you ever want to do that, we can certainly put that up as some uh, extra content. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. But of course, uh, that's uh, if you if you didn't listen to last week's episode, that was a big thing that we were talking about here. Uh, Lucas is uh, joining us here on Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, me uh, being Will Young as well, uh, and we're we're back together again because Lucas's new job is taking him to uh, incredible new places across this fair country of ours. That's right. I just got back from Calgary, which is how the locals say it. Which made me feel really, really crazy. Uh, Would they but, actually do? Yes, they say they call it Cal Gary. Oh, I hate that. I know, right? It doesn't feel wrong coming it, out of your mouth. It feels like an insult. It feels like I'm insulting them. Oh, mm, almost. I would have been better off not knowing that. I'll be. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> You'll never be able to not think about that. Whatever oh. someone's like, Calgary. No, you mean Cal Gary. My friend Cal Gary. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so we've uh, had a little bit of interruption in our uh, normal schedule, and we kind of took the opportunity to make a couple of changes about our schedule, which is why uh, Elwood City Limits is now coming out uh, bi-weekly. If you want the full rundown, check out the episode that came out before this, our mailbag episode. Kind of talk, I kind of talk about that near the end. But thankfully, Lucas, um, despite all the changes to both the normal show and to our Patreon, our uh, listeners, the... Uh, have been very supportive and very positive, and uh, we want to take a second to uh, thank them for that. That's uh, Everybody has been really, really kind about it, and we really appreciate all of the kind words. So thank you very much for supporting us. Yeah, you know, we do this in our free time. Uh, we are not doing Elwood City as a living, hence why I have to go all over Canada and, and why uh, Will is so busy. Um but, you know, it's thanks to you guys that we have the, the pleasure, you know, the great honor of even doing the show bi-weekly, right? Like, it's, 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 yeah. it's something I certainly look forward to, and it just 
you know, weeks like last week, we came to realize that in some cases it's impossible. So this is going to work a lot better for us, and we'll probably be fairly consistent with it instead of having to be like, okay, this, you know, two filibusters in a row or something like that. Like, that's, that's, it's sometimes these weeks get so tight where that's just not possible. So mm-hmm. uh, this way it's going to be better. Um, and hey, who knows? Maybe I'll be more fresh as a daisy for our, our biweekly episodes. We can only hope for the best. I must also say that uh, this is currently the best recording setup that I've had thus far because the last few episodes I've been recording in our previously very, very cluttered and messy uh, office room. Oh, is that the room we recorded the, uh, yeah. the, 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 the PAL commentary it, in? It sure is. I and think I, ha- I briefly described that room. If you want to go back and listen to the PAL commentary, that might be the first thing I talk about uh, yeah. is, is our recording setup. But it looks a hundred percent better thanks to the uh, the long efforts of my wife Jenna. She has rearranged the room. It actually looks like a room now. We have books on shelves, and it looks real, real nice. And I'm for once not recording in the dark. I'm on a proper chair, and I've got my microphone here, and it's a vast improvement. I'm happy to say. And speaking of vast improvement, uh, it's a vast improvement to have both of us here ready to talk about. Well, one of the more important episodes of Arthur, but before we get to that, there's always a couple things we like to do before the episode. First off is visiting the Elwood City Limits mailbag, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We still have mail after all the mail you answered last week? Believe it or not, Lucas, there's a lot of people who would like our thoughts on on a great deal of things. So... uh, yeah, absolutely. People are people want to know. And now there's actually one holdover from last week that I wanted Ooh. to get your your thoughts in full on here. It's it was a question from Lion Dog ZXA and they were asking about podcast recommendations, which I was all too happy to go into. But Lucas, uh podcast recommendations from you. What are you listening to these days? Uh so right now I am listening to uh Bodega Boys. Uh, I'm listening to hmm, some of these. I'm like, do I want to talk about these on the air? Uh, I'm, I'm listening to the Bodega Boys, Deces and Barrows podcast, consistently the podcast that makes me laugh out loud the most. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to uh, Chopo Trap House for all their American political takes. And for Canadian political takes, I'm listening to Dog Island, uh, friends of the show Dog Island, as well as Alberta Advantage when I was in Alberta last week, actually, oh. uh, especially during the Canadian election. Uh, <laughs> Alberta Advantage was providing some really, really valuable insight. Uh, you know what, though? On that note, do you know what might be my favorite podcast right now? The podcast I jump to listen to the quickest when it comes out every Friday, and that's Blink 155. Have I ever you, talked to you about Blink 155, Will? You have. You've mentioned how much you really like that podcast, and I, I, you managed to convince me to listen to most of one episode and that's not that's now that's not a, a judgment on the on its quality i don't have much of a relationship with blink 182 uh but yeah please uh, tell our listeners uh, there, i think there, it's a really well done podcast it doesn't even have anything to do with it, it like it's so funny because i i do truly i've actually really learned to love blink 182 from the show specifically i've gotten really into it but there's something about the very canadian very i feel like our era of pop culture there's something about the sense of humor in blink 155 that i hmm. see myself in more so than almost any other podcast i've ever listened to sure it's like it's just like i feel so seen by it like i i find <laughs> it, it it's like hanging out with my friends in a way that like few other podcasts are uh and, and so i love i adore blink 155 um 
Uh, I'm listening to a podcast called Terrace House Mafia, which recaps uh, episodes of the latest season of Terrace House, which I was binging on my travels the past two weeks. I highly recommend it, Will, if you haven't watched Terrace House uh, Tokyo 2019-2020. It's a very good season. Uh, now that basketball season's starting up again, I'm listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. That's where I get all my basketball deets. I listen to a podcast called Red Scare. I listen to a uh, Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy podcast called True <laughs> Anon. Uh, I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's something about traveling, Will. You listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, just like you for gaming, I listen to the Giant Bobcast, the Giant Beastcast. I listen to Brad and Will make it a tech pod with Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bob. That's about technology. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, it's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, whenever they release an episode. That doesn't update that often, though. Uh, and, of course, Wrestling Observer Radio. I still have that subscription. Um, and it's been more exciting now than it's been in years mm-hmm. to listen to with the Wednesday Night Wars raging on. So I recommend that as well. I didn't know that uh, Brad Shoemaker had another podcast. Yeah, it's with Will Young, uh, not Will Young, Will Young. <laughs> Will, oh my Will God. Smith. Will Smith from Tested. Yes, and it's it's yeah. a, like a it's a very it's a it's a technology pod- podcast, but it, it's very different in tone. I find than uh, almost any other technology podcast I listen to. So I really enjoy it. The new season of Terrace House. Yes. Uh, is that the one with Hana Kimura? Hmm, I'm bad with Japanese names. I'll be the first to t- I'm bad with the, English the girl, names. The girl with the pink dreadlocks. Ooh. I'm not sure. I have not seen I've not yet seen a girl with pink dreadlocks, but the way Terrace House works is the cast is a rotating cast, right? So Oh, okay. When the way it works is that uh when you there's always five guys, five girls, and then when you either have a life goal you want to accomplish or you end up dating someone, and then once you do one mm. of those two things, you are removed from the terrace house. Not removed, but you leave the terrace house, and then you're replaced with someone of the same gender as you. So I there's see. always five guys and always five girls. So uh, if there is a girl with pig dreadlocks, I've seen every other season of Terrace House, though, so that must be this season. I've yet to meet her, though. Oh yes, I believe it's I believe it's the most recent. People were just talking about it. I only mentioned because Hana Kimura is a wrestler in stardom in Japan. And oh, so wow. when, when she showed up, everybody was like, Oh my god, it's Hana Kimura. And Oh my goodness, like, that makes me really excited to continue with the season. That's crazy. Yeah, so keep 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 a lookout for her. You'll be able to tell her from her hair for sure. Uh, all right, so we go over next to uh, I'm gonna go to an email here from Dylan. Who also sent us a very kind message. Um, I'll tell you about it after the show, but Dylan, thank you very much. Uh, Dylan says, please help me out. Since I was a kid, I have wanted to know who each human person in this episode talks to. The sidewalk artist, the children, and anyone I missed. If we pull back the curtain a little, d- we know Buster is an animated anthropomorphic character, so then how could he interact with any real human beings? Is it the voice actor themselves, perhaps? Is it an editing trick? Maybe you guys have some insight into this. Um, so I, I didn't specifically make a note about this, but we can talk about it a little bit here. So I think Lucas, you can kind of, kind of pipe in if, if you think that this might not be correct, but I just kind of assume that they have a camera crew that they have kind of feeding the lines to whoever they're talking to. And then the voice actor afterwards, Daniel Brochu will, uh, sub those lines in and post and it will just kind of make it that. Yeah. Yeah, they're most they're most assuredly talking to some sort of production coordinator who's and I now I was really thinking about this and I, I think we'll get into this a little bit more in detail 
later on in the episode. I was wondering how much of this is like Gonzo style. They just walked up into like a random Chinese bakery uh, uh, <laughs> and said, hey, here's this release. Sign this. We're going to promote your bakery. Put it on kids TV. And how much was in advance like some sort of producer or production coordinator would have like scouted out this bakery and then got permission to prior to film. Because some of these seem very like on the spot. Like I, I what's his name? Dr. Uh, uh, oh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, it is Doctor Doctor De La De Vega. La Vega. I, yeah. I, in my heart of hearts, I wish, I hope that Doctor De La Vega was just some dude they found on the street. Like I, that's like <laughs> what I want. I don't want them to have like Doctor De La Vega's agent to be like, hey, we're gonna get you some good stuff on this kids' TV show. I just want that to be like New York, baby. Anything can happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, you want that to be spontaneous. Exactly. And I feel like this does have that vibe of like. The, the people talking to the camera are just bad enough at delivering their responses at being like, hey, Buster, what do you think of this? That, like, what I like, my dream scenario is that some production coordinator walks into a store, says, hey, we got this camera crew outside, sign this release, you're going to be on a kid's show, it'll be great for you. And the guy says, okay. And then they roll up and pretend to be Buster. But yes, I can say this is that I am I'm basically 100% certain that the, the, the Buster voiceover was dubbed in post and Buster, the, the person who voices Buster probably never meet these people. No, prob- most likely not. Um, we also have a bit of, a bit of a yarn here from Josh, who is the listener who made that awesome portrait of us. So we always have time for Josh and for everybody, but especially Josh. Uh, to start, I want to say your recent episode with Andrew Power of the Samurai Pizza cast was a fun listen. It's incredibly funny to me that Vomitrocious was one of the episodes Andrew had to watch because, as you all said, it's uncharacteristic of Arthur to have much of gross anything, much less vomiting at school. Listening to discussion actually brought up a memory of a childhood friend of mine who will call Leo. I first met Leo when he approached me one day and asked, Are you okay? You look sad. My response to this? No, that's just my face. <laughs> this response, though rude, was accepted by him, and soon he and I became friends, because when you're seven and eight years old, friendships can spark over exchanges even weirder than that. Well, it re- and that reminds me of, I mean, the classic Arthur and Buster becoming friends of just like, I'm Buster. My name's Arthur. Mm-hmm. Hi. Well, see ya. And then they were best friends. It's, it really doesn't make sense at that age. Spent many recesses together. One of our favorite things to do was talk about Arthur to the point where we would pretend we were TV networking executives for some imaginary TV channel coming up with pitches for future episodes. I love that. I, just... I was like, oh, we were pretending <laughs> to be Arthur and Buster. No, we, we pretended to be television executives. <laughs> I distinctly remember Leo telling me about the Vomitrocious episode. At first, I thought he was making it up because that's what we did. He insisted he wasn't. So in order to prove it was a real thing, I needed all the details. Um, for the longest time, I just took his word on the version of events. It wasn't until recently, within the past couple of years, that I finally saw it. And when I did, I thought I had the wrong episode. The actual Vomitrocious episode was nothing like Leo had described to me back in elementary school. And to be honest, that was kind of a letdown. But even though I don't really, really don't care for Vomitrocious as it actually is, I do still associate it with my time in my life spent by Leo's side, singing the opening theme of Arthur together as we ran laps around the playground. Those are precious memories for me. And though he was a good friend, he also sticks out in my memory because he was also one of my very first crushes. And thinking back on how often he wanted to spend time with me alone, I get the sense he liked me back. Oh, that's so cute. To elementary school children, though, romance is even scarier than vomiting at school, especially if you subscribe to Cootie's lore, so the extent of our puppy love was simply that. I didn't even know kids still talked about Cooties, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I know. What are cooties? I they were they were. Are they I, like? I, they, I always understood them as like a kind of invisible germ, some sort of virus. Yeah, like some, an some... undes an undesirable kind of uh, infestation that you get from fraternizing with the opposite sex or the same sex or the same sex. Now yes. that's how it might have changed. Yes. I realize the content of this email is probably more appropriate for an episode of the podcast recorded near Valentine's Day instead of Halloween. So I'll make this a little spooky by asking if you were the type of kids to believe in cooties, or do you remember other mythical diseases from your childhood, like the cheese touch in Diary of well, a wait, Wimpy wait, Kid? Wait, 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 what? Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with... Diary of the Wimpy Kid's one of those blind spots where you're definitely too old for it, Will, because I'm too old for it. And like, that's one of those, like when I see diary of a wimpy kid memes on TikTok, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand the cheese yeah. touch. Oh no, God. No idea. Uh, we definitely had cooties as I remember it, but I don't know if there was any other kind of, uh, anything else besides that of, of just like things that were, you know, you, you've got that or, or, um, I think I'm pretty sure I might have grossed out a couple of kids because I had dandruff when I was little. I had very dry scalp. So that might have been uh, a little bit of a uh, weird thing for people to see. Uh, I, I remember people accusing each other of having lice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and uh, yeah, every once in a while they would send a, send a message home of like, one of the kids has lice, so be careful kind of thing. B.O., you know, grade six. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to get told you got to need deodorant. You know what I mean? It's not just something that comes to you. You don't yeah. really smell yourself. It's other no, it's people true. that have to endure. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's it's this, It's never okay to, well, it's not that it's, it's always awkward to bring up. So when you're younger and you have less of a social filter, that's usually when that happens. It's true. Girl in my gym class told me I smelled like onions and I wore deodorant ever since. Oh, I like I'm a, I'm a better I'm a better I'm a better man because of it. You got to start sometime. All right, that's it for our emails today. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Thanks everybody, and we're also going to say a special thank you to our lovely patrons who continue to stick with us through thick and thin. That would be Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Caitlin Harrington, Chandra Lefave Bowden, Christine Wong, Christopher Iphil, Sierra S, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Michaela Gibson, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Shayna Bennett, Stella, Teresa, and William. If you'd like to become a patron, you certainly can. We always encourage it as more of a way for way to say thank you. We're not necessarily building towards anything, but for what it's worth, if we do meet our 40 patron goal, we will honor the original goal of seeing the Sonic the Hedgehog movie when it comes out in February oh, and doing well, a special podcast for that. Will, 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 did you see... The standy, they, there's a leak of, of uh, what are those things called that they put in the movie theaters, the big cardboard things? The stand, a standy? Yeah, a standy of the redesigned Sonic. Uh, I don't know if I've seen the standee, but I think I've seen like... They uh, fixed Sonic, Will. They fixed him. The movie's going to be good now, Will. Aren't you excited, buddy? We're going we're gonna to go see the Sonic movie, and it's going to be good now. They fixed Sonic. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> He looks like Sonic. That's, Sonic. That's what, it was, that's what it was missing, all right. Yeah, here we go. I'll get it from, well, from Lad Bible of all places. But Ooh, uh, epic. That's so epic, bro. 
Oh yes, I have seen this where he's a little bit more. He looks he looks a bit more like the original Sonic design from the video game realized. Bit more bit more squat and a oh, little bit yeah. more Look at that. cartoony. Looks, my man's looks like Sonic. Yeah, that and does. He's, look that, he's even got his white gloves. He's not got weird people hands anymore. That does look better. And rip in peace to everybody who had to redesign that at the last minute. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service. So, Lucas, uh, postcards from Buster. Yeah. Uh, This is what we're talking about today. Before we get into the actual episode, I have a little bit of information here about the show. Um, But but before all that, I just love to preempt things on the show, don't I? Did you? What's your experience with postcards from Buster? Did you ever watch it? So when I was a kid, I think I didn't really appreciate postcards from Buster the way I should have. Um, if, cause if, if the, if that shows anything like this episode, I might be inclined to see some more, uh, but I didn't really have a taste for travel like I do now, obviously when I was a little kid. So I think I was just upset that it wasn't my Arthur cartoon show that I was looking forward to watching and I was confused and bored and I just wanted to watch the Arthur cartoon. Right. And that's kind of the way it was for me as well. Um, I, I think through this episode, I I don't have a strong memory of watching this episode, to be honest with you, but I, I'm sure I've seen it at least once, and I think I was turned off by the fact that there wasn't as much cartoon in it. So when I understood, like, hey, postcards from Buster, I probably watched the first episode and was like, oh, it's like there's not enough cartoon in here, which was a big turnoff for me. I At first I was like, wow, like an Arthur spinoff with just Buster? That sounds great. But exactly. then it's like, I feel like I had the exact same line of thinking where I was like, oh, sick, an Arthur spinoff with just Buster. Oh, it's not a cartoon. I want my cartoon shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that never really appealed to me. I was never a huge fan of like live action shows as a kid or like even the live action segments. Like we've talked before about how uh, I watched Teletubbies when I was way too old to be watching it. And that those were my least favorite parts were the parts where they would go to the real world because I just wanted to see the Teletubbies uh, fart around and do their stuff. So, yeah, I I don't have many memories of this uh, watching it at all because it just wasn't part of my schedule. But I'll tell you about Postcards from Buster. It aired from October 2004 to February 2012, although this also accounts for a hiatus between November 2008 and February 2012 when it stopped airing. So it aired four seasons and 55 episodes over those seasons. And it was all a travelogue show, as we've kind of mentioned about Buster and his dad going to all kinds of different places. And the production crew would visit places across America, Mexico, China, Egypt, India, Italy, and even Montreal. There's an episode where they went to Montreal. (laughs) And, of course, one of the things that people have been very... Uh, good to let us know about, but it's kind of infamous today when you talk about postcards from Buster, is specifically episode 33, which is where Buster visits Vermont, and he meets kids who have uh, two moms, uh, lesbian parents, and that was uh, 
unfor- like unfortunately it was kind of a big deal at the time uh and i say unfortunately because they made people made a big stink out of this uh vermont was one of the first states to legalize civil unions as early as the mid 2000s so the U- the us secretary of education at the time margaret spellings uh objected to this and demanded that pbs return all its federal funding because And I quote, many parents would not want their young children exposed to the lifestyles portrayed in the episode. And as a result, PBS didn't air the episode, although some member stations in New York, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Boston, which is the affiliate that we got over here in Nova Scotia, would be WGBH Boston, did air the episode. Some of them aired it in prime time with a discussion afterwards as well. And because of all of this, the CEO of PBS stepped down Whoa. in 2006 as a result. And Arthur writer Kusi Cram, uh, who has wrote, written some episodes that we've watched already and would be on the show for, will be continue to be on the show, actually wrote a play inspired by this whole controversy called Dusty and the Big Bad World. I wasn't able to find out any more information about the play specifically, but it was inspired by the backlash that came from you know, from the top down in America, from the very sight of seeing a, kids having two moms, like the horror at the time, you know? So that was not fun to read about. No, but that's that's really interesting, too. And especially kind of, uh, one, I did not know about the sort of this, this federal reaction. And, and two, I didn't mm-hmm. know about uh, sort of you know, there's a play. Like, I didn't realize how big of a deal this was at the time. Yeah, and it seems to be one of the uh, one of the remaining the remaining things that people, um, I, I th- like. I think I've seen like clickbait articles of just like, well, the re- the PBS show that was pulled off the air, and it's like, well, yeah, but it was for a stupid reason. And of course, it's I'm glad that we're at a place now where this seems completely, not completely, unfortunately, because there's a lot of kids media today that are dealing with. Uh, issues of sexuality that are even still even getting... Arthur the gay we gay rat wedding yeah of course very good very good point but it seems a lot more that the backlash against it has been thankfully more stigmatized and it's like you know if you're the type of person who objects to this kind of content uh, in kids shows or otherwise that says something more about you than it says about the content so. Uh, that is not the episode we're going to be covering today, but I felt because a lot of people have mentioned it to us uh, leading up to this episode that I just wanted to touch on that real quick. So yeah, this episode of Arthur is called Postcards from Buster, and it is essentially the backdoor pilot to the show itself. And it starts off on a snowy night when Arthur and Arthur is spot is eavesdropping on his mom and Buster's eavesdropping on his mom. I, th- I found this to be a really cute kind of thing. Like the, Arthur's at the top of the stairs. He and Buster are communicating through walkie talkies. It was very, very little kid cute. And also, I, I, you know, I love a cold open with some intrigue. You know what I mean? He's like, is she saying what she's saying? We, they, they, it's very unclear what's kind of going on. Um, Buster's walkie talkie keeps cutting in and out. And so they kind of keep us guessing about what the true nature of the the conversation between the moms is, you know, I think I forget who says it. It's either Arthur or Buster. Someone says this could affect the whole family. Mm-hmm. And after a while, uh, we find out that Bitsy and Jane were both talking about taking Arthur and Buster and both of their families 
to New York City. Start spreading the news. Uh, have you uh, uh, have you been to New York, Will? I have. I've been uh, years and years ago when I was a younger lad, probably watching, still watching Arthur on TV. Uh, I would have been about maybe 11 or so. So I have been. Um, I didn't go to the Statue of Liberty or anything like that, but I have been there. My uh, my wife has actually been there a lot more recently than I have, and she loved it there. So I hope to go back someday. I, too, love NY. Uh, get me the T-shirt, because I do, as well, love New York. Uh, I, I've been there a couple of times myself. Uh, my friend, uh, Mike, just got back from New York, and on my as per my request, he uh, got a pair of fake Yeezys for me that I mm. e-transferred him some money. And that's kind of a funny story in terms of he went to this, like, seedy back alley in Chinatown and it's not as simple as going up to a table with some fake Yeezys. Apparently yeah. they lead you down a weird alleyway to a secret room and then you gotta haggle with a guy and then, but long story short, I now have fake Yeezys, which I'm, I'm particularly in love with. What's the price difference between uh, fake and uh, real? Real Yeezys? Well, real Yeezys are about $800 plus uh, and fake Yeezys are just over $100, so like $120, $140. Okay. Well, that's that's true friendship there. I don't know if I would be able to do the same for you. Of like, as soon as we go down the alley, I'd be like, I he doesn't need him that much. <laughs> oh, I uh, need him, Will. I I, I I need him. You better need him, or yeah. if we're, if I'm in this situation, they better be a life and death situation of needing Yeezys, fake Yeezys at that. Uh, so yeah, they they are very initially very excited to go. Um, but as we get into the actual episode, it seems Buster isn't. I loved here where Buster is in Arthur's uh, room and Arthur's picking out the stuff that he needs to wear. And he said, uh, I should take my Elwood City Greaves hat with me. But maybe uh, people in New York won't appreciate me repping the home team or whatever it is. I appreciated his sensitivity to the probably touchy New York sports fans. Hey, look at this guy with the Elwood City Greaves hat. Hey, where are you going? Elwood City's that way. Look at this Jamoko over here. What are you doing? I'm on my nana's sauce. If I see another guy with Elwood City Greaves hat. I'm gonna get the go in the trunk, get the Louisville Slugger. I'm gonna bust your freaking head. Hey, you bet. I'm all I'm saying to you, Arthur, is you better not bring it down on the fifth and main. If I see you around my place, oh, it's going down for real. Two twenty third, yeah. Um, so <laughs> when Buster turns uh, uh, Arthur's favorite Elwood City Greens hat inside out, it actually reminded me of the last time I went to an American city. Uh, when oh, yeah. I went, when I went to Chicago, we went to a White Sox game. Me and my sister. Um, nice. And at the end of the game, the White Sox were losing pretty badly to the, uh, I think it was the Twins, or, mm-hmm. or or maybe it was, no, it was the Detroit Tigers, um, uh, or it was whatever the Detroit team's called. Uh, sure. And a, uh, people kept turning their hats inside out. And we were like, why is everyone turning their hat inside out? We looked it up afterwards. <laughs> Apparently, it's like a, I, I had no idea, it's like a baseball superstition thing. If you, if you want the home team to come back, like make a big comeback... You turn your baseball cap inside out for the last couple of eddings. Interesting. It's so funny to me how those sports rituals end up spreading and be still being taken somewhat seriously. I, but I've never heard of that one. I've only been to one baseball game in my life, and it was an Expos game before they uh, disbanded. Ooh, the soon-to-be, in a way, championship Expos team. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, you could do some mental gymnastics to kind of wait. See, I don't really follow baseball. Has the World Series standings? 
<laughs> My dad was an episode Expos fan. I should know this. Nationals head to Houston with World Series hope one day ago. See, I forgot. See, I forgot we were in the World Series at all. Three-two uh, Houston. So the Nats could still win, which would technically mean the Expos would win the World Series. All right. Well, we can we can certainly hope, uh, and uh, it'll be it'll be almost as good. It'll be almost as good. It'll be like the Great Value Expos World Series win. Uh, so yeah, Buster is really reluctant all of a sudden to go to New York City because he's afraid that uh, if he goes, Bitsy will miss him too much, and uh, he doesn't want to leave her all alone while he goes with his dad to New York City. So now, this is kind of I found this a line. little bit silly. I, okay. I, and now the two reasons. One, I, I would think it was kind of silly in the first place, just because it kind of it gave me. Sometimes when these these children's shows get a little too earnest with this kind of stuff, it, it, I, my the example I always go back to is the episode of Franklin where Bear gets homesick when he's okay. sleeping over at Franklin's house to the point oh, where yeah. like he wants to go home. And I just maybe it's just because I'm a natural extrovert, but I never related to that. I was always like, <laughs> "Damn, Bear, that's some her behavior. Just enjoy going over <laughs> to your friend's house. Like that's like kind of lame." Um, I get it. It's for kids. I get. I, I I know. I know. I'm being nitpicky right now. I but. Um, that was almost giving me this energy, but which even what made me even more confused is that like Buster has been gone for months at a time from his mm-hmm. mom's house. Like that's true. We had a whole multi-part episode series about Buster was going all around the world. Now I don't know if there's certain implications about where this takes place in the timeline or something like that, but for a show that's usually so good at keeping its continuity, that just was like. I, I couldn't get past that the fact that like Buster has been to Japan uh, and did not seem to worry too much about what his mom thought then. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, but we we gotta have a through line here for this. This is kind of the Arthur portion where of the first half of this episode, whereas the second half is postcards from Buster. So we have to have a little something for him. But you're right; it's, it kind of maybe doesn't add up completely. Uh, the other one of the other through lines we have is that DW discovers that the one of the plays that's playing in New York. Uh, when they're going to be there, is Unicornicopia, which is a name I remembered from Arthur, but I could not remember which episode or what the context was. And now here it is, Unicornicopia, which is uh, hilariously very poorly reviewed, even in the write-up. Dad has a great line when DW shows it to him. It's like a full-page ad uh, with some reviews noting that it's colorful and glittery. And Dad says, one star from the Saskatoon Daily isn't so good, honey. So a couple things about this that, again, art imitates life. First of all, I'm going to Saskatoon next week. Oh, really? So, yeah, maybe I'll be able to see the performance of Unicorticopia if it's a traveling show that they were able to review in their local daily, uh, uh, which is, again, very funny that I'm going to yeah. Saskatoon <laughs> next week. And two, it's just funny because I kind of – DW wasn't planning on going to this. She just kind of realized it was happening. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that's been happening to me on my travels lately. Uh, last week when I was in Calgary, there was multiple times where – there, I came across something on Instagram or something where I'm like, oh, wait, this is happening in Calgary tonight? I guess I'm going to go. I was able to see a, a Carol Carol Benito show uh, mm-hmm. while I was there, which is a band I really like, where I was like, oh, my gosh, they're playing this small bar. I'm going to go there by myself. Uh, 
There is the Calgary version of something I used to go see at Halifax a couple times, uh, Rockin' for Dollars. It's kind of a, oh, yeah. a battle of the bands that Halifax used to do. You'd spin the wheel. Every band gets to play a couple songs. You can win money as a band, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it doesn't happen in Halifax anymore because they don't have a venue right now for it. But apparently there was a, a, a Calgary chapter of Rockin' for Dollars, and I only came across this on Instagram the day of, and I begged the other recruiters to come with me, but they were having a Blink-182 night, which, of course, we've talked about nice. on the top of the show uh is something i would be particularly fond of so that's what this made me think of is just like the the fun of dw had no idea unicornicopia even existed and then she sees this ad and she goes oh it's gonna be in new york while we're in new york so that's a pretty exciting feeling for instance next week when i'm in winnipeg uh fleetwood max at winnipeg so i i I might i might go see that who knows Sounds good to me. Might as well take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, and I guarantee Fleetwood Mac's probably a better show than Unicornicopia, as we'll find out later. Uh, I also appreciated that DW kind of, is t- kind of talking about the story of the show, and I liked the name Connor the Unicorn King. There's a lot of, must be a lot of those in the show with the prefix unicorn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, too bad there's no ticket lottery for Unicornicopia. They could probably see it uh, lower price. Buster decides that if he's perhaps really nice uh, to Bitsy before he leaves, then it can be a ni- it, it can he can be nice to her before um, she leaves. I sh- I'm sorry. I should also mention the fact that um, DW's through line with the episode is that they might not have enough money to go see. Uh, a Broadway so- show, so she's trying to make cutbacks around the Reed house. So she says to Arthur, like, <laughs> just like when, like, don't eat that cereal, Arthur. Well, okay, go ahead, eat it, but that's also your lunch and dinner. <laughs> yeah, the the DW trying to save money C plot is a it's a little odd. Uh, yeah, it's not exactly something you might think about in in a kids show, but again, kind of have to uh, give them a little way to interact with New York in a way that is kind of uniquely that place because we're talking about like broadway and stuff like that so it's of the people going it would seem that broadway would probably capture dw's attention the best uh but as so buster like cleans the dishes after uh dinner that night and this is at arthur's suggestion that he should be super nice to uh, his mom before he leaves uh, but then she says she says a completely throwaway thing of like, I don't know what I'm going to do when you leave. And then Buster's like, well, that didn't work. Now she's going to miss me even more. We have this awesome, this awesome cutaway here where Bitsy is watching Buster leave. And she has this fantastic, this this really made me laugh out loud. It was, she's like, there he goes. My baby! Like, just shrieking and then, like, does the literally, like, anime tears gushing from her eyes to the point where, like, the the airport trolley that takes people from station to station, like, becomes an airport paddle boat to take her away. It was really out there. I liked it. People people are knee-deep in tear water. It's just like it's such an outrageous visual that you don't always get an Arthur and when you do it's just like really surprising. By the way, the Elwood City Cats and Ellen Bogan Airport. Shout out to Jacob Cats and Ellen Bogan. Oh no way, I missed that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's also a background cameo in the Sugar Bowl from Mr. Menino. So, he did indeed show up uh, again, but whether or not he'll speak is another matter altogether. Okay, so speaking of characters showing up that were gone. Yeah. 
Am I crazy, Will, or have we ever seen Snooter before? So uh, as we get into Snooter here, we're looking at DW's uh, uh, efforts to kind of cut down and save money. Uh, one, she's So she's like, Pal gets less dog chow. Arthur uses the rest of the, like, the dirt ends of the toilet, to, uh, the toilet, the, to- the toothpaste. Uh, she gets coupons from Mr. Molina, which he just kind of like, yeah. just goes, eh. Okay. Uh, and she gives them to your mom. She's like, here, coupons. I don't know what they are, but they'll save us money. Yeah. And and mom seems pleased by that. Uh, so while Nadine and DW are rooting through the couch cushions, they come across Snooter, DW's old imaginary flying pig. And no, this we have never seen Snooter before. This is the first time. Which, this sequence is bizarre. It's so strange because they act like we should know who Snooter is. Well, and I think it's uh, Nadine kind of introduced him as just like your old imaginary flying pig. And DW's like, oh, yeah, like it's just an idea she had when she was like maybe two or three and then immediately got bored of. So like we, we've never seen him before because DW has probably never cared to even think about him again. And he's just like, throughout the scene, he's just kind of flying around, or, or Nadine's holding him, and he kind of oinks indiscriminately. Um, yeah, he's, noi- he's noisy. He's not Nate- He's not super cute. <laughs> oh, I think Snooter's cute. Oh, I'm looking at him right now. He's kind of cute. He's, he's cute looking, but then he like starts to do all the squealing, and I'm like, okay, that's... Uh, all right, that's <laughs> enough out of you. It's like when Peppa, when Peppa's talking, and, and, and you know... Every once in a while, mid-British accent, Peppa would be like, hello, Susie. <laughs> like, Peppa just, like, has, a, like, a nervous tick where she, like, honks out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like we have um, to remember that she's a pig, even though, you know, the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You ever look up how tall Peppa is? I can't say that I ever have, Lucas. I, I just just do a quick – I just want to hear your live reaction to this. I just want you to – quick Google search – Peppa Pig height. If you could just do that for me real quick. All right. I'd just love to hear your live reaction. I'm, I'm so happy that you don't know about this yet. All right. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Why? What? Now if, if, now, if Peppa's that tall, think about how big her dad is. You know what I mean? Her dad is like, he, he's an old god, apparently. He's just, yeah. He's a, sh- he's a shoggoth. I, I think he's actually going to be, you know, starting five for the, the Brooklyn Nets because, um, yeah, Peppa, how old tall is Peppa Will for the se- people? How- se- she's seven foot one, which somebody notes is the same size as Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. I would love for the, for Shaquille O'Neal to go on the show and he is just eye height with Peppa. That would, <laughs> that would screw some people up. I guarantee it. And to hear him, and to hear him talk. Oh, man! Imagine if Shaquille O'Neal talked and he spoke, and he was just like, "Yeah, in the in the big game, we gotta think about, you know, like if he just snorted in the middle of that." He said, "You get you you don't got any rings, Charles Barkley. <laughs> you you know, which barbecue chicken at Charles Barkley? <laughs> That'd be great. That's yeah. that's we got it. We, we I, I either want Shaq on Peppa Pig or I want Peppa Pig on." NBA on TNT at the round table so she can be like um I don't think uh, Stephen Curry sh- has it anymore. No. <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, uh Kyrie might not be the best fit for the Nets. <laughs> I, I don't know if Russell Westbrook and uh will will be the best addition for the Houston Rockets this year. <laughs> 
That's what a- the hell you what the hell you talk about, Peppa? You don't got no rings. <laughs> you you uh, and then Ernie's like, Peppa, Shaq, come down, please. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, come on. We let's get back to the show, everybody. God, NBA on TNT is is. I don't know if you've. I know you're not as much of a basketball fan as I am, Will. Mm-hmm. But if you can ever, if you're ever really bored, I would highly recommend just watch like watch some compilation on YouTube of like the best moments of NBA on TNT. Because if you like seeing like, you know, Shaq eat a hot chip. Or, yes, I or, I watched or, or, that again or, recently, or, actually. Or, or Shaq and Charles Barkley yell at each other. Yeah. Or 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 Shaq runs so fast that he falls into a Christmas tree. I've, yeah, and, I've seen that. NBA on TV TNT is some of the greatest television there is. I have seen a few things from there. One of my other favorite things was when they were doing a draft, and uh, uh, it was it was it was Charles Barkley, and he was trying to, he was trying to pronounce uh, Jonas Valanciunas's name. I'm, I'm gonna go to Toronto, my boy Jonas Vasu Inawansas. <laughs> It's it's a guaranteed like every time I'm I'm bummed I think of that video and I watch it and I laugh. It's guaranteed uh, every time. Huh, you're right. NBA on TNT. I have to watch more of that. I've really That's something to. uh that Buster would be watching in this next sequence. Yes. Where and this might be the highlight of the episode. So is... so to tie so just to tie off uh DW and Nadine have a quick uh, oh, sad oh, yes. moment How here. could I forgot? Uh, yes, yes. I'd be remiss if we did not mention the fact that, like, DW is so strapped for cash. Nadine offers not to go. This is, like, this is the, like, like exactly what we're talking about when we talk about a wink and a nod from the writers in terms of no kid would understand this joke, but this is hilarious. In that Nadine's offering not to go uh, to save DW money, and DW is like, they don't even check for you. You're imaginary. And then Nadine says... Well, DW, we're talking about New York here. <laughs> I I wrote here if New York could find a way to tax imaginary friends, they probably would. You know, this used to be you couldn't get an na- imaginary friend into this town before Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I was gonna say was Giuliani still mayor in the whenever no. this would have aired two thousand. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. This is prime Giuliani years. Yuck, yuck. America's mayor. Oh. Okay, so yeah, moving forward to this scene here where Buster decides to go the exact opposite way by being as inconsiderate as he can so that his mother wants him to leave and she walks in on him. He is barefoot in his whoops, in his PJs, uh, just uh, sneezing into his hand and wiping it on the armchair. This this slob look from Buster, great last-minute Halloween costume. Very easy. All he needs is a pair of pajama pants. Uh, you need a, uh, a sh- like a light blue shirt. I think it might have a number on it. And rabbit ears. And just, like, create some, like, smudges from, like, uh, food and stuff. And you're golden. Yeah, this is incredible. Will, what are you going as for Halloween this year? I feel like we're not going to have a Halloween episode, so yeah, this is, I got I, I to know. This is as close as we're going to get. So I already kind of did it, and I put it over at the uh, Elwood City Limits Discord. I'm, I uh, went to our local convention, Halcon, as uh, former ECW wrestler Raven. Ah, that was a great. Le- I, I saw that. I saw that picture on Instagram. That's a great costume, and you had the poses down. Yeah, it was really fun to do. I had a couple people recognize me, and it was a really, it was really good to 
it, like I pulled it together all the day before. I cut up a pair of cut up a pair of jeans and found the rest of the stuff. And uh, oh wow, I had a WCW belt lying around, so I just kind of carried that around and had some fun. Because I'm not going to be on. I have to work on Thursday. So I'm going to be wearing a uh, a reboot pin on my uh, work shirt, and that's going to be the extent the of extent. my costume. You'll be Bob if he was in the uh, whatever the your job as the game. If <laughs> the, the most, user downloaded your job. The most boring episode of reboot ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about you? Do you have a do you have a costume? Uh, I'm going to a party with a girl, and we're going as Midsummer. So I'm oh. going to be the, I, I'm I'm going to be the bear, nice. and she she's going to be the May Queen. Oh, that's great! That makes a lot of sense. I think Midsummer really captured your imagination this year. I can't yeah. wait to see that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to post a pic on the gram for the fans out there. Please do. Uh, so, yeah, Buster is committed to being a slob here because he wants his mom to be not sad when uh, he leaves. But they have the they have the kind of talk here of just like, I'm going to miss you no matter what. So, you know, it's but I'm happy that you're going to be, you know, going places and seeing new things. So I want you to go and uh they kind of make up, and then it's just like, well, you're gonna—it's gonna take you all night to clean up this mess. Uh, so that was pretty pretty quick that they were we were able to um, we were able to resolve that. We also get speaking, th- speaking yeah. of quick resolutions. <laughs> uh, so as they're kind of getting ready to go to the airport, the Reed family. Uh, by the way, DW has made up a couple of postcards to save them money, such as the Vampire State Building, the Rocks Are Falling Center. And this, and my favorite, the Statue of Liver Trees. I actually loved DW's like sweeted postcards. I think if someone had like an Etsy page or something, that'd be sick uh, to like actually use. Like the, even the pictures are cool of like the Vampire uh, State Building looks great. Yeah, it's very cute. So Grandma Thora bursts in and says she got lucky at bingo last night, and they're all going to see Unicornicopia. Wowee, that was easy. <laughs> We're just setting up the dominoes and then just immediately yeah, putting yeah. them down. <laughs> or it's like setting up the dominoes and then, oh, look, I found this giant magic domino from the bottom of the domino bin. And it's actually going to crush all the other dominoes and fix all our problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and Buster brings a uh, box of Kleenex, which he thinks his mom is going to need. So everybody's saying their goodbyes at the airport. It's like the people staying behind are Grandma Thora, Pal, Kate, and Nadine, which is, you know. And and, and do not forget Snooter. Oh, and Snooter, of course. Uh, I kind of want to see the episode of them interacting with each other. Grandma Thora taking care of Pal and Kate, and then Nadine and Snooter around there. Like, I'd actually might like to see that episode. That would be a good two-parter of like, and and you know, get one of those like talking pal and Kate Epps, and and talking pal and Kate working with Nadine and Snooter on some kind of wacky adventure. Mm-hmm. So when they get to the airport, Buster says goodbye to Bitsy. It's a little, it's a little tearful, but then she gives him the gimmick of the show, where and we see this as Buster has it on the plane while they're leaving. Um, it's a video camera, and every time that Buster uses the video camera, it transitions to real-life footage, like actual found footage. I think I completely had forgotten. So I remembered that Postcards from Buster was a travel show, but I think I had completely forgotten this conceit. So when it – and I'm so used to the word from us kids being in the middle of the show as well. Um, So when it hard cuts to live action footage, I almost spit out my drink. (laughs) I was like, what? 
It's pretty jarring, especially if you're just watching Arthur and don't exactly know what Postcards from Buster is. Uh, so yeah, it is pretty pretty wild the first time you see it. It's just not expecting to see it at all. Although I guess I, I say that, but we've also had you know a word from us kids to kind of prep us there for it. But right, right. But the, the, like, it's just weird. It's like, okay, this is Buster Vision and the world turns into the real world, which is kind of very different than these very documentary style word from us kids sequences. And the fact that like, I mean, we'll get into this later, but something that never gets old is people addressing the camera as if they're talking to Buster is like, mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show, but there's something just truly special about watching these people talk to someone that we both know is not there. (laughs) We actually touched down in New York City, and here we see, finally, and like, I know, we've kind of seen it before, but this is the design going forward for Buster's dad, Bo. Bo Baxter. Yeah, now... Had we only seen the back of Buster's dad's head up to this point? Because he looks old. I don't know why, but I always felt like I, I pictured Buster's dad as like this chiseled jaw pilot, especially in like the episodes where kind of Buster is. I feel like we've always kind of seen the bottom of his face or something kind of in the episodes where Buster's like traveling the world. And here his dad looks a lot older than I remember him being. So they never super committed to a design. They always kind of hit his face. But there were a couple of instances where you did see it and he almost looked more like uh, the Reed's old neighbor, Mr. Sipple, just kind of like yeah. a normal bunny looking guy. Like when he pretended to be Santa Claus or you'd like see a photo of Buster's dad when he was little. Uh, and it was a different design. He looked quite a bit bigger. Bo Baxter is a more realistic redesign. It's similar to uh, a celebrity appearance. Like he looks I had to look up his voice actor because he looks like they did a. Like a, like a celebrity is playing him, and they wanted to get his likeness. But uh, Bo is played by an actor named Marcel Jeanin, who is also the voice of Patrick, uh, Mister Ratburn's husband. Oh, and I was like Patrick. I was like Patrick Star. Uh, so he is yeah similar to a celebrity appearance, much like recent celebrity appearance on Arthur R.L. Stein. What? Yeah, in one of the newer Arthur episodes, it's uh, Buster. Buster's uncle is R.L. Stein. Well, what? Yeah, D- totally. I, I mean, I guess Francine's not the only one with the famous uncle, right? Isn't she related to the jazz guy? Yeah, Joshua Redman. Yes, Joshua Redman. Wow. So this is where we get a lot of liberal use of the live action footage of them doing like fa- uh, f- documentary style or rather handheld style shots of New York City as they go over the bridge. And this kind of stays around. First of all, for the rest of the first of all Arthur Buster's dad. I mean, this plays into later on in the episode because big mistake from Buster's dad. You don't get a rental car when you go to New York. That's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, that's like insane. Like, just just bad move right there. Like, where are you gonna park? Like, you're gonna draw. You're gonna be driving on Manhattan or on the main island. This no. this makes me think that maybe Bo's got it. Like he's like pretty well off in terms of like he can afford to buy a rental car and not use it very much. But of, but of course that's the way to kind of get those initial street shots of uh, New York city. They're initially want to go to a place called the Jade elephant. And this is where, so uh, Arthur and Buster go with Bo and then uh, mom and dad Reed go with DW to kind of check things out and to also eventually go to Unicornicopia. So they want to go to a place called the Jade Elephant. I looked it up. The Jade Elephant doesn't seem to exist in New York anymore, or at least if there, if it does, it doesn't have a website. So if if it may have been a real 
place at some point, but it isn't right now. My my guess it probably wasn't, and it was just like a MacGuffin, mm. so they could go into this other place. They go Which, into. Do we get the Do we get the name of the bake the the Cantonese bakery? So I looked up the full name. It is May May Bakery of Bensonhurst, which is in Brooklyn. Oh hell yeah! So we're, okay, we're starting in Brooklyn. I need you to keep track of the boroughs that we're in throughout this episode. I did my best. Uh, to, I did my best yeah. to look up a couple of these uh, real life locations, but I I might have missed a couple, especially uh, for our New York based viewers, such as I believe. Uh, Susan Velasquez, I believe Susan lives in uh, New York. Well, she, Susan, she if, you, if, if you if you've been to any of the places in this episode, please write in. Yeah, please. Uh, Have th- you seen Doctor De La Vega? <laughs> we'll get to him in just a second. So there. So the whole idea of Buster, Arthur, and Bo's segment is that they're a little bit lost in New York. They're trying to find exactly where they're going, so they keep going to like businesses and people on the street to try and figure out where they're getting to. They go to this bakery. And uh, what does he – he shows them how to make – is it a dumpling? No, no, it's a uh, – oh, gosh. Uh, uh, it's not a dumpling. It's like some sort of savory pastry, mm-hmm. and it's the one you have to, like, boil for five hours. Oh, God, Buster won't stop talking about it the whole episode. I can't believe it's left my head. Uh, they also go to Baxter Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe I believe it's close to – oh, it's a tamale. Ah, uh, uh, yes, okay, Chinese tamale. Because we because we get the differences a bit later, they run across these guys on the street who are the uh, helpful New Yorkers, and I also learned this from uh, our friend DJ Bob had an interview recently with uh, longtime Arthur writer Peter K. Hirsch, who also wrote this very episode we're talking about, and he is one of the helpful New Yorkers who says oh, really? that uh, yeah, who says that Buster's like way way off or whatever. <laughs> He must be a, a true blue New Yorker, too, because they have pretty heavy accents. They're like, unless he's doing a put on. Maybe. Uh, yeah. And I believe their uh, I believe their car. I believe their rental car got towed because they parked in a no parking zone. So they have to kind of hoof it for the rest of the time, go on the subway and whatnot. I, again, I cannot describe. This is hard to convey to the listeners of the show just how strange the contrast is of like a real life person being like, oh, I hope you like this Buster. And then hearing Buster's voice be like, oh, yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. like it's there's just something I, I don't mean this in a bad way I was adoring it the whole time but watching the people talk to Buster is truly weird it's kind of nice I think it almost helps to put you in the fantasy a bit more of just like oh yeah Buster's a real character look at all these people who are talking to him as if he really exists it's look, kinda, Buster, it's it says cute. don't even think about parking here yeah <laughs> so they go on the subway to their next stop and they also run across a New York City breakdancing troupe that's right. They got B-Boys. I was excited. We got real true blue B-Boys. Buster seems to have never seen breakdancing before in his life. He's kind of confused at what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if Buster like got inspired by this and had like a brief breakdancing phase as a youngster. This, remind, this reminded me of, a, of an episode of Popular Mechanics for Kids where one of the hosts... Uh, like here in the episode, they te- they teach Buster how to do like the basic wave with his arms and his shoulders, and that was the same thing that they taught the host of Popular Mechanics for Kids, like just the most basic b boy move that you can possibly do. When they go outside, they happen upon somebody that we've mentioned a couple of times here, uh, Doctor De La Vega, who is a. Now immediate- I know what you're all thinking. Can a real life person win Throwaway Character of the Week, especially in an episode? where he's going up against Snooter. And I'm sorry, but he absolutely positively can. Not only is Dr. De La Vega throwaway character of the week, 
he might be throwaway character of the year. The wow. doctor is in, baby. <laughs> and, and, and this, like, again, in my heart of hearts just hopes that they just came across this guy. Because, first of all, he's, like, wearing an Einstein costume. He's drawn these chalk drawings on the street. And, he's like, got, his... He's got a giant blonde afro. Yeah, and his, his, his responses to the questions of, like, why do you do this? He's like, I just want to make people happy. Make people think. I like drawing with chalk. It's I like I just like drawing on the sidewalks. Like I I love and also he's in the Bronx, BX all day. Mm-hmm. I love Doctor De La Vega. I love him. So a little bit of information here about Doctor De La Vega. He is uh, James De La Vega, who is a Puerto Rican artist who's based out of New York. Uh, specializes in chalk drawings and mural art. He even had his art featured in MoMA in 1999, the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, also interesting, uh, Dr. De La Vega filed a cease and desist letter against Apple in 2014 for in what he felt was infringing use of the quote, you are more powerful than you think on the iPhone 5S. So like we kind of see here, he's kind of a, an inspirational figure. He uh, writes motivational messages and creates like uh, art that kind of makes you think or makes you smile. So he seems to be something of a positive figure. And he even draws a, a Buster's portrait. Uh, did he win that lawsuit against Apple? I don't believe so. Oh, damn. Oh, well. Still, I, I stand. I stand Dr. De La Vega. He seems cool. I like him. He's He's got a very, uh, it, become your dream. That's the thing he writes on this on the sidewalk. He just seems like a real force for good, this guy. There's a part where he's like drawing chalk in, Buster, in the drawing of Buster he does. He's like, look, Buster, I put a little chalk in your head, and it does look like Buster's smoking a cigarette. But <laughs> that being said, I am pro- uh, Doctor De La Vega. Yeah, this guy's this guy's a lot of fun. Yeah, he draw he draws a picture of Arthur and Buster, uh, kind of arm in arm. It's very it's very cute. Also, uh, DW and uh the other reeds are kind of just doing typical New York stuff. They do the horse and carriage at Central mm-hmm. Park. Ed DW tries to give as a tip almost an entire cheese covered pretzel, yeah. which is is a waste. I was a little hungry when I was watching this episode, and I was like, "Oh, dude, this that's, is that's like three quarters of a cheese pet pretzel." Like, this is the worst episode to watch on an empty stomach, like I also did, because they're looking at actual food. That's a problem. Is that like they go into a um, is it a uh, a Spanish restaurant? It's I think that's in the Puerto Rican part Por- of town. Puerto Rican part of town. They, they, Thank they, you. They they talk to Mister De La Vega, MD. <laughs> and uh, that's where they find out the difference between a uh, Chinese tamale and a Puerto Rican tamale, and uh, they're quite they're they're quite different things. I believe the Chinese tamale was a bit more of a like you said a savory dessert, and uh, uh, Puerto Rican tamale is more of like an entree kind of thing. Anyway, I was looking at all this food. I was super hungry. Uh, we also go back to DW and the Reeds, and this was kind of interesting. They go into the Metropole which is like a, I believe it's a hotel in New York. And there's a little bit of a cutaway here where DW has this fantasy of living there. And the visual style looked a little familiar to me. And I want to say that this is meant to emulate the Eloise books a little bit. Oh, I, I was wondering, cause I was like, this looks like it has to be a reference to something. It's too particular to just be like a everyday dream sequence. Yeah, there's like the most famous one would be like Eloise at the Plaza, but just like the story of a little girl who lives in New York and, uh, you know, like lives in these really fancy places and all that kind of stuff. I never read it as a kid, but the visual style looked very similar. 
uh, from what I'm to understand about it. It was very like blue and white. Uh, so I think that's what they were trying to do. Uh, let us know if maybe they were thinking of something else. But that was kind of a cute sequence where she has like she befriends like uh, what was it like an an alligator with a with with a hat on. Uh, I don't know. This I was like because this episode's all one episode. It starts to feel a little long at this point, and I was just perplexed at what was going on. I was like, "Why is this alligator blue? What is going on here?" It reminded me the it's like an alligator with a with sneakers and a baseball cap. Reminded me a little bit of the game Later Alligator, which uh, uh, very good game by the way. Check it out. Yeah, so that's DW's kind of fantasy as they get ready to go to see Unicornicopia very soon. The entire point of Arthur, Buster, and Bo is that they're looking for a place called uh, the Point because Bo is is chartering around a band called Los Viajeros. So they find a bakery where they're trying to uh, figure out where the point is. And these two little girls, um, Yasmin and Sade, uh, help them to find out where they're going while they're eating yeah, cupcakes. Yeah, of course, of course the only two people who actually know where anything is are in the Bronx. you got to get a real New Yorker exactly. to let you know. Because nobody else they talk to has even heard heads or tails of the point. But, I mean, this was really cool. And I think what what, what is probably something that would be a good reason to maybe revisit postcards from Buster is that all throughout this part of the episode, they're looking at very diverse people and cultures within New York city and in the Bronx specifically, like uh, the Puerto Rican neighborhood, the Chinese uh, neighborhood, uh, Yasmin and Sade are black girls. And I think that that's really cool. Like there seems to be a lot of representation within the show. And I think that was the point of Buster going to different places and talking to different people. So I thought that I, I I liked that, and it's something that not that normal Arthur can only do so much. Whereas with Buster, you can literally with postcards for Buster, you can literally go all over the world and meet people of all kinds of different cultures in a way that's interesting and uh, uh, fun for little kids. So they end up going to this place called the Point, which is also a real place in the in the Bronx. It's here. It's kind of like portrayed as like a youth center a little bit. It's uh, I looked it up on Google. It's a community development corporation, uh, but they have like these. It's a place basically where kids can come and like have fun after school and uh, kind of keep them out of trouble. It seems. I looked up also. So the band I mentioned, Los Viajeros. Um, I couldn't find a band by that name, but I did find a food truck in New York called Los Viajeros. Ooh, for, for whatever that's worth. Do you, what, like, do you know what type of food truck? Uh, Mexican food, I assume. Um, I think so, but I can I can certainly look it up real quick. Uh, Los Viajeros food truck, meaning the travelers in Spanish. Uh, best tacos in NYC, Latin fusion flavors. So the website tells me. So there you go, uh, taco truck, and burritos and whatnot. Sounds good to me, right? Muchos gracias, muchos gracias, uh, uno. Uh, burrito por favor <laughs> that kind of that kind of wraps that kind of wraps up their story a little bit and the end of DW's story is actually pretty funny she goes to unicornicopia and like she hates it <laughs> it's like kind of a crappy show which I thought was really funny it's true and though Nadine came anyway uh yeah she's she she's sitting next to DW unicornicopia and she says it's boring living with people who don't believe in you which is a very, very good line there. Uh, yeah, and that kind of 
ends at the episode here. The two parties meet up again, and I forget exactly, like, what the closing line is for the episode, but essentially, like, you know, they end up having, even though they didn't exactly get there the way they thought, they had this great adventure in New York City, and the idea is that, like, I, I, I don't know exactly where in development Postcards from Buster was at that point, but that was pretty much the, that's pretty much the idea of, like, the show itself. I also want to mention here that um, my wife was kind of watching this over my shoulder, and at one point she's just like, Buster's dad doesn't know what he's doing, because all throughout the episode, Buster's dad is like trying to figure out where they're going or where they are, and Jenna's just insistent that like it's so hard to get lost in New York. Uh, I can't say that for myself. Because I haven't been in a long time, but apparently it's really it can it's really easy to find things that you're looking for in New York. Well, I, yeah, she's right because uh, I mean his first mistake was getting that rental car right. Like once you figure out the the transit system is so easy to understand, she's she's correct in that it's pretty hard to get lost. Okay, and yeah, that's basically the end of the episode. A little bit of a a different format we had to follow for this one, but uh, you know, for better for better or for worse. So Lucas. Postcards from Buster. We already kind of mentioned that neither of us had much of an experience with um, the show proper. Um, but let's let's just talk about first, like as an Arthur episode, and then also tell me, do you think that you would be li- likely right now to watch a, a standalone episode of Postcards from Buster? Oh yeah, like a hundred percent. It's funny, like this episode. So I actually enjoyed the second half of this episode, the less bustery half, significantly more than I enjoyed the first half. Okay. Um. So the first half, I mean, I guess this is all one episode, so we can kind of talk about it all at once. For sure. Um. The first half had a lot of really, really funny moments and like a lot of really funny lines, and but I, I thought that it was like really plot light like the whole situation the a plot and the b plot of both dw trying to save money and and buster kind of worried about leaving his mom first of all that buster plot line just doesn't make sense with the arthur continuity and then secondly the the dw saving money plot just doesn't amount to anything at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and so i really had problems with both of those even though i kind of found that segment entertaining um but then and and i guess it's just because it's so novel the postcards for buster segment this is what i it had me thinking about you know i thought of sort of our other podcast wills the boomer dudes and kind of our exposure to live action educational programming and about how kind of how when we watched Zabuma Dudes, how we found ourselves being like, oh, wow, I'm glad we're doing an Arthur podcast yeah. and not one of those other shows because those were rough. Um, that being said, you know, postcards for Buster, and I don't know if it's because I've just I've been traveling so much lately, but it really does give you kind of that travel vlog experience that people still do to this day in terms of like YouTube videos and stuff like that of like, hey, I'm in this place. Hey, I'm in this place or even to and this is might be a little bit hyperbolic, but something like a parts unknown of with Anthony Bourdain, like it's kind of a kid's first travel show. And though I might not have appreciated it when I was a kid, cause I just wanted to watch my cartoon as an adult. I'm like, Oh, this is really fun. If I'm ever in New York again, and I find myself in the Brooklyn, I, I'll, I'll check out that Cantonese bakery. You know what I mean? So, uh, I actually really, really enjoyed the second half of the episode. And again, I am still really into the conceit of like, you know, Dr. De La Vega, 
being like, okay, Buster, I'm going to draw a picture of you now. Or people being like, oh, you're way off, Buster. Like, these real people talking to Buster is very funny to me. Even, like, the smiling man at the bakery being like, is it good, Buster? Like, um, I, I was way into all of that. And I think a Buster's a fine host for the show with this kind of genuine curiosity and being like, whoa, look at this. Uh, I was very much into the second half. The first half, not so much. Well, the first half really seemed like it was pretty uh, flimsy as compared to a normal Arthur episode because we needed to get where we were going in order to really get to the concept of the episode, which was postcards from Buster, of course. Um, But it's funny you mention that because I, I remember as a child, and I mentioned this earlier, that I really had a visceral reaction of just like, oh, no, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch cartoons. And that was what I was really focused on is that I, re- I wasn't so much interested in seeing live action shows when I was younger. I really wanted to see cartoons. I loved animation and I mean I still do. But yeah, that's... to this day I kinda just want to see cartoons. Again, I've been doing a lot of <laughs> traveling lately, been watching a lot of cable in hotel rooms. I just kinda watch Cartoon Network every time. Yeah. And um revisiting this as a kid, and I think you make a great point. Um you you make a great you make a great point about the fact that this is in 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 a sense a very early travel travel log, yeah. And it's funny how nowadays, and I'm again kind of piggybacking off your point here that there are travel logs for everywhere. As far as the eye can see, it's a very popular way for people to spend time and for people to see other places. A cheap way to experience other cultures and see other places. And this really is a very early progenitor of that. And I'm and I'm I know that there's been other TV shows that have done that type of style as well. So it was probably nothing new, but for kids, it's a, I like it as a way for them to inch to, um, to discover people that aren't like them, places that they've never seen cultures that they would never see in action unless for public television and the people, the team at Arthur, uh, traveling around the world, making postcards from Buster. So I really, I respect it. As much as I didn't uh, watch it when I was a kid, I'm glad that it existed, and I'm also probably going to check out an episode. Now, again, I'm not exactly keen to cover the entire show because we've already <laughs> we've got enough on our plate as it is, but I'm probably going to keep going to watch an episode or two. Just I think I might watch the episode of Montreal. I want to see how Buster kind of goes over there, and uh, since Arthur was made was and is made in Montreal, I would really like to to know uh, kind of how they covered that. But I thought that the, the the postcards from Buster thing was held up a lot better than I expected it to. I expected to watch this and be bored, but honestly, I loved it. I really did like the uh, uh, all the segments, the people they ran into. And you're right. I, I think that there is a great um, – there's a certain magic in the in real people – interacting with the Buster character and that kind of brings it all together. So a more positive experience than I was, uh, than I was expecting and a little bit less of an Arthur episode than I was expecting as well. So it's funny how those both kind of, uh, coalesce together. So yeah, what an interesting experiment. And of course this would go on to produce another fairly successful show. And uh, I, I guess I'm going to go through the episode guide and find a couple of episodes about places I want to see and see how they tackle those, uh, 
those uh, different cultures. I yeah, think that it would, would, be, would be. It would be lovely if there was a postcard for Buster's episode about Winnipeg. That would be very helpful to me in the coming week. <laughs> you might have to just settle for a good old fashioned vlog, but uh, who knows? Maybe some of the ones out there today were influenced by a show like Postcards from Buster. And that about does it for that. It was really interesting to get to know more about this show that I completely dismissed when I was younger and maybe not for the best reason but you know when you get older you realize that maybe your worldview was more limited as a kid than you realized uh so I'm glad to be trying to open myself now and I almost wish that when I start having kids they attach themselves to a show that is at least on the from the outside seeming to be very as as inclusive and worldly as a postcards from Buster, because I think it's a really cool way to learn without it feeling like learning. No, I, I completely agree. So there you go. That's postcards from Buster. Thanks everybody for hanging in uh, for the little pause we had there. But we're going to be coming at you every two weeks. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, of course, we're still going to be having our own schedules, but hopefully, we'll be able to find a nice stable spot. Uh, with uh, the bi-weekly window where we'll be able to get the episodes out to you a bit more regularly with less interruptions. And next time, Lucas on uh, Elwood City Limits, we're going to be getting back to a straight-up Arthur episode. No more live-action segments that I'm aware of. We're going to be talking about... This is another one that I think a lot of people have been waiting for us to talk about. It's funny how this season has seen some anticipated episodes come up uh, in the in the pipeline. It's going to be Desk Wars... And Desperately Seeking Stanley. Oh, wow. I, I don't know what either of these are. I definitely know what Desk Wars is. So I, I'm going to be interested to revisit that as some of our uh, emailers, I believe, have touted it as one of their favorite episodes of the season or of the show itself. So uh, let's see let's see if it holds up. So you're heading out to, um, to Winnipeg next, are you? So, uh, Saskatoon, Regina, and Winnipeg all next week. Make sure you say hi to Guy Madden while you're there for me. I, I will look for Guy Madden. I will be on the hunt for Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Maybe you'll get lucky, and that'll be, like, one of the times that Kenny Omega is doing, like, a random indie and, like, putting over Don Callis. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Will Young, and that is the episode of Elwood City Limits. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great two weeks ahead of you. And for Lucas Mancini. Yup. What can I say? I'm a slob. <laughs> we'll see you next time.